Good, awesome, awesome. Hey, give yourselves a hand for being here today. We made it. Yeah, it's okay. You're, it's okay. We made it. We made it. I know we got a lot of people kind of out and, uh, and uh, being sick or, or whatever. Uh, and, and, you know, you guys are the brave ones. <laughs> so you're out and you're about, and uh, just know this, we're glad you're here today. Hey, my name is Frank Bennett, lead pastor here. If you are, this is your first time here, we're glad you're here. If this is your second time here, we're glad you're here, or your hundredth time here, whatever it is. But God has uh, a word for you today. I really, really, really believe that. And uh, we're in the second week of, of this uh, new uh, series called Make Church Great Again. And uh, before we get into that, let me just kind of take care of a couple of things. Uh, we've added an, another element in our uh, opportunity to give as you you guys know uh, you can give online at, uh, at lakepointonline.com or our web app or our mobile app. You can also uh, send your offering uh, to our church address, which is there in your bulletin. And you can also uh, give in our worship service. And uh, in, in a little while later, we're actually going to do the offering at the end of our service. And um, so what I want you to do is uh, during my message, whatever you feel like, you know, whatever the Lord lays in your heart, uh, you can kind of prepare that offering because we're actually going to do that at the end. But let me tell you something we've added, and that is an offering box, okay? And this little box is just basically in the back table there. And if you feel like, uh, you know, I, I, need to, I need to give my offering maybe before the service. Let's say if you're serving with our wonderful kids or our nursery area and you can't be a part of the service, there's going to be a box right here in this back table and you could just put your uh, offering there. We have envelopes, offering envelopes there on the back table and you can put that right in there. You can also put other things in there. Uh, you can put um, like your connection card. You feel free to drop that in there. Uh, just, you know, uh, maybe, uh, you know, hopefully not unused gum or chewed gum or that kind of stuff. Please don't do that kind of stuff. But you could put um, offering um, envelopes and your connection card right there on the back table. Uh, also, some of you may have already gotten your books and we are starting a 21-day fast. I'll mention a little bit more about this in a few minutes. But the 21-day fast begins this Wednesday, um, March 1st. And it goes all the way, uh, obviously, through March 21st. And we encourage you to pray about what God would have you fast. And we have a personal devotional guide uh, for you. Uh, also, I want to say here in a couple of weeks, we're going to end this series. We've got two more weeks after this of Make Church Great Again. On the last part of this, of this series, we're going to take communion as a church. And so we're going to observe communion. And so you, want to kind of, uh, you don't want to miss that. And uh, we, we do that periodically. And as uh, the Bible says, as often as you do it, we try to do it as often as possible. And so that's going to be here in two weeks. All right. So in this Make Church Great Again, I started last week. I'm really excited about this series. Uh, as I said last week, it's not any kind of political statement. We just took a slogan uh, from, a, from a gentleman who happens to be our now president, and it was his statement. It was his vision statement for America. Well, let me tell you something. Make church great again is God's vision for his church, for his bride. He wants the church to be great. Again, he wants the church to do awesome and great things. And he wants us to get back to who we were created to be. It seems like in this world, in our culture, and I think you would agree, especially here in America, we have been distracted, maybe, maybe intimidated by uh, the culture to not be who we were designed to be. So whether it be uh, we've been uh, distracted, uh, intimidated, or maybe even influenced, we have gone slightly off course. 
Some would say even major off course. If you look at what the church, the bride of Christ, the big C church is doing around the world in places like China and India and underground churches and people are coming to Christ by the thousands and people are, are, are meeting secretly because it's illegal to gather together as a church and the church is thriving and it's awesome to see that. And we get over here and, and it's almost like we're not really being who we're designed to be. And I'm talking about as, as a large church. Now, Lake Point Church, you may say, well, I think we're a good church. I think we are a great church. I would agree with that. But as, a, as, as we are talking about this, I want us to be reminded of some of these things that make us great and help us uh, to uh, continue to set the standard and to learn how to be a great church. We want to encourage all the churches, okay, the big C church, every church to be a great church. And so um, that's what we want to do, and that's who we want to be. And so uh, how are we going to make the church great again? Well, one of the things that you're going to realize, and you probably realized this last week, is that to make the church great again, it's going to make you great again. It's going to make you great again. In order for you, as a church, as as part of the bride of Christ, to do great things, you have got to be great again. You may sit there and think, well, I think I'm a pretty great person, okay? I, 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 do, I do a lot of great things. And, you, and you, may, you may as well. You may sit here and say those things and say, I, I do great things. But it's not about just you doing great things. It's about you being connected to Jesus. And, uh, and so as we uh, get into the ser- series, you're going to find, and even today, that we're going to talk about making you Great again, because God wants a church to walk in power and in might through the Holy Spirit. And, and this leads into our, our key verse, which is Acts 1.8. He wants us to walk in power and authority, as it says right here. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to all the ends of the earth. And when he said that, you know, there was, you know, America hasn't been, wasn't founded yet. You know, half the world was not even inhabited. You know, he was talking about in the future. And he's talking to us even now, today. Those words are even relevant for us uh, today. And so last week, I introduced to you the first important tool uh, to uh, make the church great again, which is going to make you great again, and that is prayer. Prayer is vital. It all begins with prayer. Everybody say Amen. Okay, good. So it all begins with prayer, all of this. So if you want to be great again in your walk with Christ, if you want to be living like the Christian you're supposed to be living, and even if you're still searching, if you're like, man, I don't know what this Christian thing is, but I know deep inside me there's something welling inside me that's like, I know I could be better. I know I could be stronger, and, and I could be able to say no to those things that trap me, that have me in chains. Whatever that is, you can be great again through prayer. And it's, a, it's important not just to have those popcorn prayers. Those popcorn prayers that sort of pop up, you know, when the, when the police sirens come on and you're driving. You know, we, we say a prayer immediately, don't we? All right? And also, students, when you're taking a test and you're like, oh, man, I didn't know, I didn't know we had this today. I didn't know I, I, I had this quiz, and so you begin praying. Or maybe you're praying at bedtime or with your kids, or maybe you're praying at, at, at your meals, and those are all great. But can I tell you something? You're never going to grow 
into a relationship that is great again if that's all you do. If all you do is popcorn prayers, you're never going to grow like you should. And so, like I talked about last week, it takes those, those uh, intentional moments, those intentional times set aside to let God speak to you. As we saw last week, God knows your, your needs even before you ask him. So if he knows your needs before you even ask him, just kind of get those out of the way. Okay, Lord, you know I've got these things. I've got, I've got to pray for this and this and this. But let me hear from you. I want to hear from you through your word or through prayer. And so uh, we are starting, as a result of that, uh, of that first week, we are starting what is called a 21-day fast. Now, this is something, as, as a pastor at Lake Point Church, I'm encouraging you to do. Now, obviously, I can't make you do that, but I really strongly encourage you to do this 21-day fast. As you can tell, if you received those booklets, those devotional guides, um, we put some work into this, and, and we've been business. And so you may ask, well, what kind of, what kind of fast are we talking about? Do I know, you know, does that mean I don't eat anything for 21 days? Well, that's called a full fast, and you could do that. And in your, in your booklet, and you didn't get one, we have some in the connection point in the lobby. You can get it after church. But in the booklet, it describes different types of fasts. You can go to a complete fast, or you could just be fasting uh, certain meals or, or certain types of food, like in the Daniel fast. You can Google that. Or you can fast uh, media, social media, fast your phone, you know, those kinds of things to where you're getting those things out of your life to where you and God can have time together. So I want to encourage you to do this 21 day fast. It begins this Wednesday, and uh, I encourage you uh, to pray and ask the Lord what you would like to do. Now, if you, if you have someone who is not here today, they can actually go to our website and click on 21 day fast, and they can actually go in there and download um, the uh, soft copy. You may want to do that yourself and put it on your phone. So, uh, so prayer is the beginning of being a great church. Without prayer and direction, we stand no chance. Another way we can make the church great again is by showing the fruit of the Spirit. Showing the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit is the proof that Jesus is inside us. Okay? The, the fruit is the proof that Jesus is inside us. But the fruit is also proof that Jesus is far away from us that we are not walking in communion with God. We're not walking in communion with our Savior. And so we produce some bad fruit in our lives. And fruit is meaning our actions, what we do in our lives. And so we all produce some types of fruit. And so in this world, we all have people that, that bump into, uh, into our lives. What I mean by that is, you know, you get to work and you got a coworker that's just, or a boss, that is just on your back and, and, and they love to push the buttons and let you just like uh, get frustrated and they're always bumping into you. When, when people bump into your, into your uh, life emotionally or whatever, what comes out of that fruit basket is what's in your heart, what's in your life. How you handle those things when life happens, when life bumps into you, what comes out of that fruit basket? And whether it be good fruit or bad fruit. And can I tell you something? One reason why the church is not great in the eyes of the world is because there's lots of Christians out there who are displaying bad fruit. 
I mean, it's one of the number one reasons why people don't attend a church. Ah, oh, a bunch of hypocrites. First of all, we're all sinners. Yes, we're all going to, we're all going to sin. And we're all going to have some, some bad apples in our fruit basket. But when those bad apples appear in our, in our life, when we do sin as believers and non-believers, we've got to confess those sins. We've got to get those bad apples out as soon as possible. Because if not, it's going to affect the whole basket, the whole bunch of apples. But one reason why people don't attend church is because Christians displaying bad fruit. Man, I thought you go to church. I thought you say you follow Jesus. Yeah, I see you with your Bible, you know, and if you're constantly displaying bad fruit, well, that's a turnoff for people. And they say, well, I don't want to be a part of that. That's not a great church. Why would I want to be, spend my time on that? Well, I want to come to a church and sit on this hard bench and look at this guy talk from the sage, you know, and tell me some things. Why would I want to do that? Well, we've got to display good fruit, healthy fruit in our lives. So the main point today is we're going to look at ways that we can improve our fruit. We're going to look at ways that we can improve our fruit. Because until we improve the fruit, our actions of our life, until we figure out ways that we can improve our fruit, the church will never be great. It will never be great. But again, let me remind you, as Christians, we're going to fail. You're going to make mistakes. And one of the signs of a great, uh, uh, of someone who has good fruit is someone who realizes, I've got a bad apple. I need to take this out. I need to confess this. I need to get rid of it. I need to apologize to whoever, or I need to own up to that mistake, or whatever that is. That's part of displaying good fruit. So, what kind of fruit am I talking about? Well, the fruit I'm talking about is in Galatians chapter five. Now we're gonna to turn to several passages of scripture today. I encourage you, if you wanna follow along, you can. We're gonna have these on the screen, but we're gonna be kind of uh, several different places. And you can also look this on the YouVersion Bible app. You go to Bible.com and go to events and you can find us. But in Galatians chapter five, verse 22, here are the fruits. It's the fruit of the spirit, meaning the, the, the actions that prove that Christ is in us. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. So of those things that are up there, and if you go back to uh, verse 22, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, patience, all of these things. If we have Christ within us, then we're going to display this fruit. Even when the world bumps against us into our fruit basket, what's going to come out? Is love going to come out? Is patience going to come out? Living in a house with, with, with lots of kids, we get bumped all the time as parents. And patience is a fruit that we're just really trying to work on, okay? I can't tell you that, that patience, the fruit, the fruit of patience is always healthy, okay? It, it, it might have a worm or two in it sometimes. But we, as parents, we're, we're constantly trying to work on those things. But let me tell you, the more that we spend time with the Savior, the more that we're able to be patient because I know that God has been patient with us as we sin as adults. And so we can learn from our Heavenly Father and be patient with our kids as well. There may be a word up here, love, joy, peace, Kindness, goodness, gentleness. How gentle are we when, when, when this world bumps into us? 
So bearing fruit with good roots. Now, if we're going to bear good fruit, we've got to make sure that our root is good. Um, let me, let me t- show you, uh, Jesus said this, and he wants us to bear good fruit. In John chapter 15, verse uh, 8, he says, This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. He wants us to bear fruit. He desires us uh, to bear fruit. But many times, we're focused on trying to do good things, trying to show forth good fruit, and many times we're forgetting about the root. What is the root cause? What is the root cause? Let's say in my example back in patience, if we're not showing a good fruit of patience and we're trying our best not to do that, what is the reason why? What is the root cause that we are not having patience? You may say, well, you have too many kids in your house. (laughs) Well, I guess that's probably one reason, but what's another reason? I'm not gonna get rid of my kids, but what's another reason that could be a root cause for us not having patience. Or say, if you're not displaying gentleness or love or kindness, what is the root cause? We gotta get back to the root. Beneath your tree of faith is a root system that affects the fruit. In Matthew chapter seven, verse 17 to 18, Jesus said this, likewise, every good, good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit, obviously. If you have a bad tree, if you have an apple tree in your backyard, and, and, and the root system is bad, and, and the tree is bad, and when I say tree, I'm talking about the tree, the, the roots, all of that. The, the fruit is just, it's just a byproduct of a healthy tree, or it's a byproduct of not a healthy tree. It's going to produce bad fruit. And so we've got to, instead of focusing on just our fruit, we've got to focus on, on the root. We've got to focus on the tree. And what is the root cause of our emotional outbursts, of, of losing, um, losing our temper, or for, or for losing our jobs over and over again? You know, if we can't keep a job, what is, what is the root cause of that? Or if we walk in fear, always walking in fear, what people might say, what people might uh, do, or how they might be talking about us, whatever. What is the root cause of that fear? What is the root cause if we're, if we're behind all the time, we're piling up debt after debt? What is the root cause of that? So we want to get to the root cause of, of some of those things that are producing bad fruit in our life. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 33, Jesus said, Make a tree good. And its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. A tree is recognized by the actions that it portrays. What what you and I portray in our life, the actions, we are recognized by that. If we really are Christ followers, if we're really people who want to, want to do great things and follow after Jesus, then we're going to show that good fruit. And the reason why we show good fruit is because we've taken care of the root and we will be recognized as believers. We will be recognized as Christians. Man, something's different about that person. They've been through a lot. They just got reamed out by their coach or their teacher, or maybe their boss, and look, they're, they're standing steady, 
they're, they're not letting anything waver in their life. And they're standing strong. What is different about that person? Well, that person has most likely been with their Savior. He's been with Christ. And, um, but we will be recognized by that. You know, if you have a Facebook account, you may have um, experienced this where um, you've probably gotten a friend request. It's kind of coming lately here in the last several months or year where you get a friend request from people you're already friends with. It's like, what, what is this? I, already, I thought I was friends with them. And so you click on it. It's like, well, yeah, I want to be friends with you. I thought we were already friends. All right. So you click add friend, you accept friend and confirm and we're good to go. And then the next day you get, you, you see on your friend saying, hey, I've been hacked. My Facebook profile has been hacked and please don't accept um, a friend request for me. And then you feel like an idiot because you like, <laughs> you, you selected them. It's like, well, yeah, I just did what I, uh, I want to be your friend. But how do you tell, how can you tell when a Facebook profile is not really that person? If you scroll down, if you get a, a friend request and it's really uh, someone that you're already friends with, look at their profile, scroll down. If it's just pictures and no dialogue, if it's just kind of random pictures in their life and, and nothing about what's happening in their day, what's happening in their week and about their life, then it's fake. Because if it was real, they would have interaction, they would have conversation with the world. And so that's how you could recognize that it's real, just like Christians. If we are Christ followers, we are going to be recognized because we have dialogue with our Savior. And so we should be known by our healthy fruit. And if we improve our root, then we improve our fruit. If we improve our root, then we will improve our root. But how do we do that? How do we have access to our root? What do you, what do you say, Frank, what is root? How do, I don't understand. I mean, I know what a tree is. I, I know how to make my tree better. I know how to make my shrubs better. I know how to make my, my flowers better. You know, you want to have great, healthy root system. But what are you talking about my life? What is the root? Who is the root? It's found in John 15.5. Look at this verse in John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. This is Jesus talking. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. What's the vine? Rather, who is the vine? Who is the root? It's Jesus. Jesus is our root. I love how the, uh, the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, they, they support one another. Things you find in the Old Testament, you can find in the New Testament. And, and uh, in fact, I would encourage you, you know, New Testament's uh, a lot of times a little bit easier to read, but I would encourage you to read the entire Bible. Just walk on through it, steadily through it. But look at a couple of these verses about root or vine in Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah was a prophet and, and I'm actually going through the book of Isaiah now in a personal study. Let me tell you, it's amazing what Isaiah has in this book. Uh, so Isaiah uh, chapter 11, verse 1, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. Now, Jesse was the father of King David. Of course, Jesus was in lineage of, of David. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. This is a prophecy, prophecy about Jesus. Look at Isaiah uh, chapter 11, verse 10. In that day, the root of Jesse 
Jesus will stand as a banner for all the peoples. The nations will rally to him and his resting place will be glorious. There's nobody in this world that that's talking about except for the son of God who hundreds of years later would be born after Isaiah wrote this. Isaiah 53, two. He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of the dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty, he's talking about Jesus, to attract him to him, us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. So there it is again, a root out of the dry ground, describing Jesus as a root. Look in Revelation, it's the New Testament. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. So you want to improve your fruit? You want to improve your fruit? You, you need to go to the root. Who's the root? Jesus. Jesus. He is the root. We saw it in Old Testament. We saw it in New Testament. And so in that verse in John, uh, John 15, 5, it says that we can do nothing. So if Jesus is a vine, then who are the branches? We are the branches. We are the branches. If he is the trunk, the, the root, the vine, we are the branches. We're not the fruit. Our actions, how we live our life, that's fruit. But we are the branches. And if you cut off a branch from a tree, it's not going to survive. And so apart from me, you can do nothing. And I love taking words in the English language and sort of dissecting them a little bit. Take the word uh, discourage. If you take the word discourage and you, and you break that down, you have discourage. Well, we all kind of know what courage means. What does dis mean? Dis means taking something from, taking away from, discourage. So if you are speaking words, for example, of discouragement to your spouse, you're taking away courage from them. If you're speaking words of discouragement to your kids, you're removing, you're taking away courage from them. Same word with the word nothing. The word nothing, apart from me, you can do nothing. No thing. You can do nothing. No thing. Apart from me, there's nothing you can do. But what does Philippians uh, 4.13 says? We don't have this up, but we can do all things through who? Christ. So apart from me, this is Jesus talking, John 15, 5. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Philippians, what Paul wrote, Apostle Paul, we could do all things through Christ, the root who gives us strength. So Jesus is divine. We are the branches. So in, in, in John 15, 5, it also says, you will bear much fruit. What does it mean to bear much fruit? In, in John, uh, in the verse before that, John 15, 4, it says, uh, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. 
It must remain in the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. You cannot bear fruit. You see, many times, I've read this, this, these, this passage hundreds of times in my life, and I've always thought that, that bear means to produce. You're, you're going to produce that fruit. Bear actually means to carry. Bear, in this instance, means to carry. So we don't produce the fruit. Who produces the fruit? God produces the fruit. God produces the fruit. Jesus produces the fruit in our life. If he is a root, if he is a tree, that life goes to the branches, to us, and he produces that fruit through us. What do we do? We carry it. We carry it. It's our job. You look at an apple tree, okay? The apples don't hang from the, the, the trunk. They hang from the branches. Our job is to carry that fruit. And you can't carry, I can't carry fruit without Jesus. Jesus is saying, look, I produce your fruit in your life when you're connected to me. But when you don't remain or abide with me, you can't even display the fruit that I want to produce in your life. I want to produce incredible fruit, tasty fruit in your life. I want you to display great, incredible actions. And I want to produce that. But you can't carry that if you're not connected to me. So why do we carry fruit? What is the purpose of us carrying fruit? Well, the purpose of us carrying fruit, number one, is we display God to the world. We display God to the world. This very life of righteousness and holiness that we're connected to all the time, as much as we can, we display that fruit. We display God to the world. We don't display us. It's not about us. It's not about, hey, look at me. Look at what I'm doing. That's why it's not about good works. You and I display that fruit to display God, to display who he is to the world. The second reason why we carry fruit is so that people can taste and eat of the fruit. Let me explain that. When you are, are in uh, relationships in your life, Let's say if you and your spouse, if you're married, if you and your spouse are, uh, in, in, have some friends that you're, you're trying to bring into a, a closer relationship with Christ, they see if you are walking with Christ and if you're connected to the vine, they're going to taste and see the fruit in your life. They're going to say, man, I want some of that. I want what they have. Students. If you're connected to the vine and you're walking on campus and you are displaying that fruit, other students are going to say, I want what that person has. And as they're able to taste and experience that fruit, they're like, I need to be connected to the vine just like you are. And so we are display God with our with the fruit, and we are to allow people to taste 
and to see. And in and, and that previous verse, it's talking about abide, remain. If we remain in him, we're going to, uh, we're going to bear, we're going to carry much fruit. What does remain mean? What does abide mean? It means to stay in one place for a long time. It means to stay in one place for a long time. Gentlemen, if you've ever been shopping with your wife, you abide with your wife. Okay, you remain in the store a long time, and that's okay. You abide, you remain with your wife, especially if she's shopping for clothes, okay? But it's okay, because it's you and her. You abide, you remain, and that's what Jesus is saying. You remain in me. You know, it's interesting that uh, vineyard farmers in, in California, they will, they will say that the the grapes that produce the best tasting wine are the grapes who remain and who struggle the most. The grapes who struggle the most. You can go look it up, do research on it. So the grapes in the vineyard who struggle the most, but don't die, they remain through the tough times weather conditions, whatever that is, those grapes produce the best tasting wine. You want to produce best tasting wine? You want to produce best, best tasting fruit in your life? You remain through the tough times. You remain through the tough times. Someone who abides in me Jesus is saying, if you abide in me and I in him, you will bear much fruit. You will carry much fruit. Someone who abides in Jesus is, is not someone who serves God when it's the good times. And when the bad, time, bad times come around, they stop serving. Someone who abides in Jesus is not someone who only prays during things are going good, but also gets on their knees when times are going bad. Someone who abides in Jesus is not just someone who, who gives their time or their, or their talent or their treasure, their, 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 their money or whatever that is. They don't just give. They're not generous just when times are good, but they're generous even in the tough times. That is someone who remains with the vine. That is someone who abides in the vine. Remain in the tough times. We're about to start, I encourage you to start a 21-day fast. If you really do this, whatever it is you're fasting, <laughs> you're going to have some struggles. I'm telling you that right now. I am going to have some struggles because I'm doing this as well. I'm starting on Wednesday. And I'm walking with you through this. And I'm going to have some tough times. But, but man, during the tough times... I'm going to stay strong. I'm going to remain. And you pray for me, and I will pray for you. And we will abide together. And through this, we will produce great tasting fruit. So um, abide, remain. Some of the best marriages that I know are marriages who stuck it through during the tough times. They stuck it through the tough times. I don't care what, you, you use your imagination, whatever kind of tough time that is, they abide, they remained, they stayed. 
and they were strong. I know not every marriage can do that if there is physical abuse or, or neglect and those kinds of things. And obviously that, that kind of stuff needs counseling, professional Christian counseling. But I'm talking about just daily struggles, even big things in their life that come up in a marriage, remain and your marriage will be stronger still. So if, if Jesus said, I'm the vine and you are the branches, remember, you're not the fruit. So Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. What is God's part? What does God play in this? Well, God is the gardener. God is the gardener. Look at, in uh, John chapter 15. A lot of these verses are in John 15. 15.1, it says, I am the true vine, Jesus is talking, and my father is the gardener. My father is the gardener. God owns the vineyard. God owns the vineyard. Here's a parable about that in Matthew chapter 21. In Matthew chapter 21, we're going to read a few verses here in this passage. But this passage, Jesus is saying this about four days before he goes to the cross, before he lays down his life. He shares this parable. And this parable is about God, his Father, and about himself. Matthew 21, verse 33, it says this. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner, God, who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants, the people who were looking after, people who were renting the vineyard, to collect his fruit. The tenants seized the servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Then he sent other servants to them. More than even the first time. And the tenants treated them the same way. Now listen to this. Jesus is talking about himself in the next verse. Four days before he gave his life. Last of all, he sent his son to them. Oh, they will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to one another, this is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Talking about Jesus. Jesus even told a parable describing God as the gardener, the one who owns the vineyard. And it's interesting in this parable, Jesus told what's going to happen to his body because after they took Jesus on the cross, they took him out of the city. They took him out. And so it was describing what they were going to do with Jesus. So, God is a gardener, and he wants to do amazing, incredible things in 
your life. Now I have here two branches. Now this branch right here is nice and green and I cut it off this morning. Poor branch. I cut this in my yard this morning. This branch I found lying not connected. This branch is dead. It's not connected to the vine. This branch obviously is not connected to the vine, but the reason I share this one with you as well is some of you think, oh, man, think I'm looking pretty good. I'm looking pretty good. I'm doing good things. I'm going to church. I'm, I'm being nice to people. I open the door for people. I say my prayers before every meal. I'm looking pretty good. And yeah, you might look pretty good, but like this branch, give it some time. I'm not connected to the vine. And your life is going to look like this. Your life is going to look like this. You know, a good branch is a branch that provides lots of things. In the summer, a branch that's connected to the vine will provide shade in the summer. A good branch connected to the vine gives color in the fall, gives beauty in the fall. How are you portraying beauty in your life? How are you protecting people, yourself, in, in scorching times in, in people's lives when pressure is hot? Another thing a branch does, it provides a place for birds to build their nest. Another thing a branch does, if it's strong enough, will provide a place where a child can swing from a tire swing with a rope connected to the branch to provide joy. How are you providing joy in people's life? If you're not connected to the vine, you can't do those things. You can't do those things. God wants you connected to the vine. Some of you may be thinking, well, Frank, you know, I've been away too long. I feel like a dead branch. I feel like a dead branch. There's no way, there's no hope for me. Can I, let me, let me share with you some hope. It's not my words, it's found in the Bible in Romans chapter 11, verse 17. Listen to this real carefully. If some of the branches have been broken off and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root. Some of you, as this verse describes, you might feel like you're a wild olive shoot. You say, well, how can I be a part of Connected to the Vine? You, as it says right here, can be grafted in. In Romans eleven twenty three, 23, it says, and if they do not persist in unbelief, meaning if they, if they make the choice, man, I want to I want to be connected to Jesus. I want to be connected to this vine. If they do that, they will be grafted in. For God is able 
to graft them in again. If you haven't been connected to the vine, maybe you've been away for a while, maybe you've never been connected, you can still be connected to the vine. To where God can produce incredible, amazing fruit through your life. Through your life. God can produce that great, amazing fruit in your life. So how do we make the church great again? How do we make the church great again? We make the church great again by being connected to the vine, being connected to Jesus and showing forth the right fruit that we were meant to bear, to carry. Focus on the roots. Don't focus on the, on the fruit. The fruits are going to come naturally as you are connected to the root. How you be connected to the root? I got a good plan for you. It's called 21 Day Fast. You could do that starting Wednesday. And I encourage you to use that and take that and allow God to do great things. So if you're here and you've never accepted Christ, you can accept Jesus. You can accept Jesus as a one true vine and be connected to him and say, Jesus, I give you my life. I'm sorry for the things I've done. I'm sorry for living life on my own. I need your power in my life. And if you're a believer here today, you say, well, Frank, I'm connected to the vine, but I just don't feel like I've, I've remained in him. I've abided in him. Even through the tough times, I'm ready to abide in him. If you are ready to abide in him, we want to do that.